You are listening to KU Radio's only podcast, OU Radio. It's with tremendous pleasure I bring in OU Radio's new co-host, Rebecca. You can tune in to OU Radio Tuesdays from 5 to 8 p.m. at 801-585-3449. You're listening to All Ute Radio. This is all Ute Radio. Yes, it sure is. KU Internet Radio. Yes. Internet? Yes. KU Internet Radio. We're broadcasting from nearly a mile high above sea level here in the Rocky Mountains. Is that how high? Darn One cool. mile? Real close. We're like 4,600 feet. I didn't ever know that. <laughs> I would have guessed like 2,000. The air is real thin up here. Yeah. My chest hurts from breathing. That makes me so sad. I know. I ran... I don't know what's ha- the air's not even that bad right now because it's been raining. It's pretty okay up here. Yeah. So I would think that if I was going to keel over from working out, it would have been in one of the last weeks. Keel over. But maybe my lungs have just gotten so crappy after breathing all this air that they finally gave up. They quit. <laughs> they quit. I'm going to be coughing all night, all over. Do you need to see? You got to start smoking cigarettes. Yeah. I'm confused. For why? Well, you know how George Carlin uh, always says, you fight cancer with cancer. So if you get cancer, you want to get another type of cancer so it can, they can eat each other. <laughs> so if you have bad lungs, you need to make them worse so they can get better. Did you ever see that like <laughs> viral video about that treating cancer patient with AIDS? No. Did you ever see it? Uh-huh. It was really interesting. I'm not like pretty official. <laughs> treating cancer. Well, I didn't actually, like, (laughs) do a ton of research, but it was on a couple pretty trustworthy, like, news sites. You should look it up. It was, like, a little girl had zero options left, and they'd done all these different treatments, and a doctor basically experimented on her by infecting her with, I believe, HIV. And then something, one thing led to another, and she was cured. I don't remember the specifics. Wait, let me find it. So it says, no doctors did not inject HIV into dying girl to treat her cancer. June 25th, 2013. We've recently noticed an inspiring short film circulating on the internet about how doctors in the U.S. have apparently cured a child of leukemia by injecting her with HIV. But while the actual science behind the story is fascinating, the treatment is still in an extremely experimental stage has only been tested in a handful of patients. And while we're always keen to welcome exciting experimental cancer treatments, we also want to clear up a few misconceptions about the research actually involved. What website am I on? (laughs) Scienceblog.cancerresearchuk.org. Yeah. In Philadelphia is where it happened. Something about the immune system is good at recognizing and attacking foreign invaders, but it doesn't attack tumors. (laughs) (laughs) That's not funny, but it's sad. What? I'm trying to figure out what they did. They're certainly not telling us right away. I know. They're like being really, (laughs) like really making it difficult for us. I don't think I'd want HIV injected into me to fight cancer. Well, apparently they didn't do that. Just kidding. They totally did. (laughs) They were like, we never did that, but we actually only did it in a handful of patients. And it's very experimental. That's like what the whole first paragraph said. Professor June says that the virus used in these experiments 
was originally derived from HIV. And we hear the filmmaker asking off, off camera, so you're taking the HIV virus and infecting healthy cells with it to help kill cancer. However, the virus has undergone significant genetic tinkering, meaning that it's no longer harmful. Hmm. So they're using like that little viral beast to destroy. To lock onto molecules found on the surface of cancer cells, killing them in the process. Oh, that sounds creepy. I hope I never get cancer. I hope I never get HIV either. Yes. Or both at the same time. Or both at the same time. The world would really hate you if you got cancer and AIDS at the same time. Like, I know. That's <laughs> bad karma. Anyway, what were you saying when I remembered the cancer AIDS thing? You're asking me to remember something. I know. It was Good about lungs. We're talking about breathing. We get so off track. It's entertaining. I'll even listen to an, our recordings after we put them out. But sometimes I'll listen. I'll be like, that's where that went. But we never even finished talking about that. I got to start keeping like a notebook and make points down so we don't get too sidetracked. Yes. But that's what's fun. That's why we need a producer. We need a new recruit. Aw, we do. Log. Can we have one? I hope so. You guys, I'll recruit you. But I've heard the ones that got trained up have, are doing very well. Our recruits? Yes. Kane and Andrew? Yeah. They have their own shows. Kane has a show on Friday afternoons. Yes, I've been listening. Just music. And then Andrew is before us at 2 to 4. I just got some really exciting news from a KU DJ. Who? Keith McDonald. Keith the Chai DJ. So, you know how last month we did a celebration of Dr. Martin Luther King? Mm Mm-hmm. And we had... Professor Dr. In Hodgkins in, right? Hodgkins. Yes. We're doing another radio show with Dr. Hodgkins. Are you? On the 21st of this month, which is like in A two Friday. We- yeah, in like two weeks. Five days before my birthday. Your birthday? Happy birthday. Yep. What are you going to be, 18? That'll be my second 21st. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> You're getting old. Nothing like turning 21 again. <laughs> what are you going to do? I have symphony rehearsals on Wednesday nights until like Nerd. 10. <laughs> so probably just going to do homework and sleep. But the weekend, I'll like at least eat something good. You go into a yoga rave or anything yeah, like that? Yeah, I think I might go to a yoga rave on the 19th, one week before. It's a real thing, you guys. Yoga rave's happening. But continue on the podcasting or the, the show. The show. On the 21st. Yeah, so we're going to get right back into the discussion of the plight of the African-American in America. And then we're going to do some celebration of men you just aren't familiar with. So, but I'm very excited. Like, the guy is so smart, the Dr. Hodgkins. And, uh, but I'm going to grill him a little bit. I'm going to put him on the hot seat a little bit. Because I think that there, I really wish I could have taken a class from him. Like, he's such a dynamic thinker. And he's really interesting in his thoughts with racism. Yeah. And... He teaches classes. I went back and listened to some of that. What did you think about it? I liked it a lot. I'm probably never going to be that smart. <laughs> it is it's humbling Ever. when you hear that, right? Yeah. I'm like, how did you make all those words together? And they made sense. <laughs> how did you even know all those words and things? <laughs> and then, so we're going to be efforting another professor, too. Really? But I don't want to tip my head off on that one. Just in case. Yes. <laughs> Just in case. Did you know they are bringing in Alex Smith, former Utah football player. Yeah, number one draft yep. pick in 2005. To speak at commencement 2014 this spring, May 1st, where yours truly will be in a cap and gown. Congratulations. Thanks. Hoorah. <laughs> Hoorah. <laughs> but yeah, Alex Smith is speaking Do you think that's good? I don't really care. But people so seem really excited. He hasn't won anything. The last thing he won of significance was when he was on this campus. Yeah which was uh, one of those BCS bowls, you know. One of those weird bowl games named after food, like the Tostito Bowl or whatever that is happening. (laughs) Yeah, he's coming. Um, I don't really have an opinion on it. Mm -hmm. I honestly hadn't even thought about the fact that someone speaks. I just thought about never having school again. See, when I was supposed to graduate, I couldn't graduate because I had class. (laughs) I don't understand. <laughs> I don't even understand how graduation works here because it's expensive. Well, yeah. 
And unless you uh, go lavender with the LGBT community resource center, it's free. Really? Yeah. Well. And you don't have to be gay or lesbian or transgender to get a cap and gown. You just have to sign up with them. Really? Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. What I was saying. Graduation is the day after the last day of finals, which is weird to me because <laughs> what if you don't pass your finals? <laughs> like I a lot of times get down to the last week where I'm like, I have to get an A or I might fail the class. Whoa. And you never know, like, because you're sitting at a B minus, but the final's worth so much that you might end up with a C that doesn't count towards your major or something. Well, they do so, that too. Oh, yeah. See, so up in the communication program, and there's do you a have lot minimum? of minimum. There's a lot right. of dummies up there. What? You can get a D and it counts? Yeah. What? Psychology and music. A C minus is failing. You can't, you must get a C or higher for it to count towards your major. Yeah, the lowest I got was a B plus, but. I got way, way lower. But I'm always worried, but you and take so smart stuff. Uh, nah, but I'm scared that I'll get to graduation, but I won't actually know if I'm graduating, and so I'll walk, but it'll all be a show because uh, really they'll be like, "You failed, and you still have ten credits to the, to go." See, I had classes where we watch movies and talk about them. <laughs> What's the social impact of <laughs> Spike Lee's movie? Oh, <laughs> I don't ever right. have classes like that. But one, I think I took one class. I'm taking an art class Mm -hmm. this semester online to fulfill an international requirement, I think. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it's kind of hard because the teacher requires a lot of writing. But the class itself is like, look at this art. How do you feel about what it represents? (laughs) And you're like, that's it, really? That's all? I just have to feel? I don't have to memorize stuff. Teach a class on the philosophy of Tupac Shakur on campus. No, they don't. (laughs) They sure do. (laughs) How do you find it and enroll? It's, I don't know. I mean, I guess you have to search. The philosophy of Tupac? Yeah. At one of the old colleges I took, I took a philosophy of uh, Star Trek. Like the most (laughs) absurd (laughs) class I've ever seen was just psychology of sex. And that one that's given for like humanities that's about drugs. And criminal behavior. But it's like about drugs mostly in police. But there's a lot of cops in there. Dude. Dude, I got... Just smelling people? like. <laughs> I got harassed by a security guard in my apartment complex. Today? Uh, Saturday night. What? Saturday night? Yeah. What'd you do? Well, it actually wasn't me, but I had a friend over, and she was smoking cigarettes, right? Uh-huh. But it was really cold, so she was like halfway in the door and halfway on my balcony. Uh And, like, this little short, like, five-foot-seven, bald-headed guy, like, in a black shirt and black pants and (laughs) big old combat boots and, like, a little white emblem on his breastplate that says security, like, rushes over and is like, you can't smoke there. You really have a security guy in your place? How classy is this? And my friend Mary goes, what are you talking about? (laughs) And he goes, you're smoking inside. And she goes, no, I'm not. The cigarette's (laughs) outside the door. And he goes, well, according to our bylaws, you're smoking inside. Oh, my God. <laughs> and so I walk out there. And you punched him? No, but it crossed my mind. Like, this guy didn't even introduce himself. <laughs> you almost punched he him. He didn't even introduce himself as a security guard. Yeah. He just, like, comes bum-rushing at us. <laughs> bum-rushing. <laughs> no, seriously. Like, <laughs> I take my... Did he run? You might as well have. And so he's looking at me in my eyes, and I go, who are you? He goes, oh, I'm the Murray Ridge security guard and i go so what if i leave my door open the whole time and i let her smoke here smoke's gonna get in the house i was like you think i'd let <laughs> Do you her have a law about closing the windows yeah i was like you think i would let a woman smoke and have smoke come into my house like no I, that's not gonna happen <laughs> like there wasn't smoke coming in and he goes well i can write you up and i go i'm a 33 year old grown man you're gonna write me up for how old was he who cares did he look young he looked like a jerk. Like a jerk. He looked like a guy that was trying way too hard. He's almost made it into police academy, but he didn't, so he had to become a security guard. He almost became a victim of violent crime. <laughs> <laughs> That's Hate about crimes. A, <laughs> no, just he didn't even come to my front door to talk to me. Like he's talking to me on my patio. How did he get on your patio? Because I live on a bottom floor. So bottom people floor. don't respect my privacy. Wait, is the patio, is there like a an entrance on the patio? I mean, there's a sliding glass door 
so there's an entrance like my oh. balcony and then there's like a walkway right next to but it. you're on the floor so balcony yeah. is not it's uh, not it's, raised up it's it's a little bit sunken it's probably like sunk two feet but it's on the main level so yeah. he just ran around yeah over to the patio yeah he probably had his binoculars out in a bush and saw her for like several minutes and so i just started laughing at him and i was like whatever dude like i'm not i'm not impressed like <laughs> And this was funny because this was Saturday night and Thursday, Wednesday, I was home all day, like had nothing to do. So I'm sweeping the patio and it's about three o'clock and these two 15 or 16 year olds are walking by and they're just staring at me. So I stare at them back. <laughs> so I stared right at them. Right. You know, it's like it, it's my, yeah. like, why are you looking at me on my property? There's peeping Tom laws. Like you can't legally can't do it. do that. And this little kid goes, what the F you doing? He's more? Yeah. Like, like is a it, child? like angry and so i just i was like are you kidding me bud <laughs> and i got mad like I, and so i got up out of my thing and i started walking up after him and, and they ran yeah and they started taking they started like lightly jogging and running they're like f you uh genital parts and i was like i hate genital you. parts i was like i just want to beat your ass and <laughs> then I you can't. remember that they're 16 that you were a kid were you that b- annoying though I was always pretty respectful. Yeah. Like the only thing bad in terms of that part of my life is sometimes we drive by old people and people on their bikes and scream and yell at them. Like oh, yeah. I still do that. Yeah. Or cat call and you stuff know. like that. <laughs> Doorbell ditching. No, I don't. Thing. I don't approach. I didn't approach grown men in beanies and tell them to F themselves. Like that's just a way to get hurt. We uh, used to doorbell ditch. Yeah. Like within the last couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> and we would go, and we would go to a house. In St. George, there's, like, some pretty rich communities. Yes. And all their houses have those big double doors that open, uh-huh. like, both at the same time. So we'd go, and we'd quietly bring duct tape, and we'd duct tape around the handles a bunch of times uh-huh. so that you couldn't open them. Like, you could not, no matter how hard. You had to cut it off. And then we doorbell ditch him, and then we would stand out on the lawn, like in the car, and we would wait for them to try to open the door and be freaking out. It's the best. <laughs> they think you're holding it, and like, <laughs> it's so, it's so good. We got to go to break, so perfect timing. Yes. Uh, we're gonna go to a few promos. I like promos. They're so good. I'm a big fan. First of ones the work by the Will. Second one is, I think, I don't know what it's from. But they're going to be real exciting. So we'll be back in just a few minutes. You're listening to KU Internet Radio, radio for students, by students. Be sure to follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Radio or on Twitter at K underscore U-T-E for anything and everything that goes on at the U. tacos of cheese and a large soda that's ten thousand and twelve dollars please drive around Wait, ten thousand what it's obvious you're buzzed and driving i've only had a few i'm fine yeah the food's 12 bucks but getting pulled over for buzz driving could cost you around ten thousand dollars in fines legal fees and increased insurance rates please drive around actually just park and come in nothing kills a buzz like getting pulled over for buzz driving because buzz driving is drunk driving Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. From the creator of Thriller comes Odyssey Dance Theater's Shut Up and Dance, February 13th through the 15th at Kingsbury Hall. See the new Dance Fever February 13th and Matinee on the 15th. This tribute to the disco generation will take you right back to the era of disco balls and white suits. Then come on back to Romeo and Juliet. You'll love the full-length hip-hop ballroom version playing February 14th and 15th at 7.30 p.m. Treat your Valentine this year. Go to Odyssey dance.com for tickets showtimes and ticket information what's up boys this is zach arthur from new school you're listening to ou radio hello listeners welcome back well hello 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 with the charming Sasha Bloom. That's one way to call it. <laughs> That's one word to describe it. You're listening to Old Ute Radio on KU Internet Radio. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. 
We have a fun story for you. Yes. We're going to go to story story time with Becca for two minutes or three. <laughs> story time. It's good stuff. This is all I've go. ever wanted in my from life. KSL. <laughs> for 100 years, locals have believed Montezuma's treasure lies at the end of a tunnel below Three Lakes Pond in Kanab, Utah. Now filmmakers hope to discover just what is there. Producer Mike Wiest... Is that pronounced Weist? W-I-E-S-T? It's like West or Weist. <laughs> Weist. <laughs> Along with landowner Lon Child and a crew of filmmakers are settling, setting out to tell the story of Three Lakes, Montezuma, and the treasure hunters whose attempts of recovering the gold have been foiled. The pond that lies along US 89 is the site of Montezuma's lost treasure that could be worth more than $3 billion, according to local legend. Though details vary, locals believe Aztecs dug the Three Lakes Pond to cover the treasure's cavernous hiding place in a water trap on the west side of the pond. Once dug, they could divert a a river to the pond, fill it up, and walk away from an ordinary-looking pond with a valuable secret. Whoever wrote that wrote pond so many times in that paragraph. Can't call it the drink. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it sounds far-fetched. The story has circulated throughout southern Utah since 1914 when Freddy Crystal showed up with a map he claimed showed the treasure's location. It wasn't until the 20s when he found a series of sealed tunnels in nearby Johnson's Canyon that people started believing him and joining his unsuccessful hunt for the gold. This this is where it gets good and really funny, (laughs) at least to me. I'll see if you think it's as funny if you laugh. In 89, Brant Child, a Kanab resident, bought the pond and surrounding area. He said he knew the clues in Johnson Canyon were decoys and the real treasure lay in a water trap 36 feet below the pond's waterline, indicated by a symbol on the cliff above the cave. Multiple efforts to dive into the caves were ended after divers said they became disoriented and saw the ghosts of Aztec guardians, but they were able to detect metal at the end of the tunnel. Child's next move was to drain the pond. (laughs) His plans were halted, however, when the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service put the amber snail on the endangered species list in 92. The small creature is so rare, its only known habitat is Three Lakes Pond, and each one killed can incur a $50,000 fine. (laughs) I can't do anything to my own property that might disturb those snails, Childs told Deseret News at the time. It doesn't look like anyone will get the gold. (laughs) The pond is surrounded by mystery. Basically... Blah, blah, blah. They want to find the gold. So they're going to... A production team is raising funds to send remote-operated vehicles, particularly submarines, carrying lights and cameras into the cave. Oh, we're going to be able to watch this on TV. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Can't be any worse than swamp hunters or swamp people. (laughs) The property has such a rich legacy as far as the stories and hearsay goes that I think anybody at this point that knows of it and is certified to put on the scuba gear and go down... They're already going to have that preconceived notion that people have seen something down there, he said. It makes it that much easier for them to interpret that in their mind or to see something. I think bringing in the robots eliminates that unnecessary variable. So, yeah. He goes on to say that something is protecting it, whether supernatural or explained by science. But nothing is too far-fetched at this point, only because at this point... We can't afford to discredit anything. So there's treasure under there. Yeah. He even says he's ready to send in a scuba diving exorcist if necessary. What is that? How do I become one of those? (laughs) Right? (laughs) So, treasure in Canal. A scuba scuba diving exorcist? (laughs) Scuba diving? Yeah, scuba diving exorcist. (laughs) Come down those caves. Weird, huh? People have too much free time People or money. We're on a real treasure hunt and we're like going to school. Like we could be doing what we wanted to do since we were five and go on a treasure hunt. I'll scuba dive three I'll lakes scuba pond. Dive. I don't even know how. You think it's really that scary? No. You think people are just like crazy? I love being under the water. Have you, you surf girl, you boogie board? I've like spent my fair share of time in the ocean. Yeah. But it still scares me. I watched a video. That's going all around the internet of a guy who I th- I'm pretty sure it's at that. Um, if you've ever seen those pictures of like places you have to go, like beautiful nature pictures, and it's in some super tropical ocean area and it's like a big, huge hole. Mm-hmm. Have you seen that picture? It's like a cliff underwater and the surrounding water isn't very deep. Like yes. you can. It's pretty shallow, but then there's this massive, like... So you go off a bench or something like that, yeah. 
Yeah, but it's like you can see it from above. It's all mm-hmm. all light blue water, and then like a massive, dark dark blue like nothingness. <laughs> it just like <laughs> I'm not sure exactly like the dimensions of it, but it's it's huge. Like it's a big huge hole, and like some like free diver guy yeah. don't laugh. I'm not a free diver dove into it and got to the bottom with the camera guy. Yeah, and they show the whole like diving in under and he like doesn't music. have gear or anything like he's a he's free diving. diver but it's really deep with the snorkel how did he not he didn't even have a snorkel he just had like his nose plugged and earplugs wow and just like wearing normal like a little tight thing <laughs> but it's craziness you'll have to thing. i'll sh- find it and show it to you during the next break you guys yeah. have to look it up it's like i feel like i would be just as terrified jumping off into the ocean off a cliff as I would be jumping off a cliff in real life. <laughs> Does that, okay, this might sound stupid and I'm not sure yes. the physics of it all, but something like that where it's like, I, I think it's at least a hundred feet deep and it's like, I would estimate 50 feet across mm-hmm. this big, it's crazy. But since it's all water and filled with water, is there any kind of like pull or is it just like nothing? Like you're just swimming. Do you know? I would have no idea. Because I know there's currents and there's like, but this is just like a. I know that the farther you go down in water, the more pressure it comes from yeah. above you. And that you can have horrible misfaults in your body. Like at a certain point after the pressure drop, like your uh-huh. heart can blow up. And Oh, yeah. That's what I, I was watching, like waiting for him to die. It was terrifying. But there's some, like my dad's got a surf buddy that can... And I have a cousin that can hold their breath for almost four and a half minutes underwater. That's well, that's what the guy. I mean, they said that it was probably shot in multiple takes because like the angles and everything. Sure. But the whole thing takes a couple minutes. Like the whole video is like three or four minutes long. Imagine how mad he gets when he has to go back up for air. Right. He gets almost (laughs) to the bottom and he like has to do a cool face, but he's dying and he's like, I'm out. But it's I wondered like for him to get down there that quickly. And it looks like he, like, dies down, but he's not even, like, kicking or trying to get down. Like, it looks like he's falling into the water, but he's already underwater. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, he's getting pulled down. Yeah. It was terrifying. And it's, like, the coolest thing I saw all week. I'll never do anything that extreme. And I will not be (laughs) sad about it. I won't, like, scale rock walls with my bare fingers. I'm cool with watching other people almost die. Did you hear about the young woman that, the newlywed that died base jumping down south what down where south mm, down in zion national park what down in by st george mm-hmm. i didn't yeah she got in trouble what she died yeah <laughs> that, that's about the ultimate form of trouble here's something i've thought about a lot and i wonder what your opinion on it is okay so for me like okay with people i love like mm-hmm. family yes. or anyone like mitch he wants a motorcycle i would never say no I don't want you to have one, Mm -hmm. but I would hate it every second. Like, hate it because it would stress me out. Like, Would you go on the back of one? Yeah, but I wouldn't like, but I still don't. Okay, so what I'm getting at, let's say like your significant other wanted to base jump. While I completely understand like wanting to, like I want to, like skydiving is appealing to me. Hang gliding, like all of that looks super cool and fun. Mm Mm-hmm. How crazy do you, like, for me, if my significant other wanted to base jump, I would be so mad, (laughs) especially if we had kids. Like, people who do these awesome extreme things and have families, like, on one hand, I'm like, that's super cool, and you live your life to the fullest, and you do these awesome things and inspire everyone. But on the other hand, if I was your wife, I would punch you every day and be like, I have children, and you're, like, jumping off into the ocean 100 feet. With nothing on. See, I won't even ski anymore because I don't want to blow out a knee or tear up a hand because then I can't work. Yeah. So I don't do any of that stuff. But I wish I had the freedom, like, in my soul to do that stuff. Yeah. Like, Dakota's a better person to talk about this because he has kids and he does do that stuff. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is I don't think it's bad. Like, half of me feels like do what you want like you should go and live and i would want those people that i care about to like really get the most out of life but on the other hand like having a family i don't know if i'd be a very good wife i'd be like okay wait a second we have this many kids and you want to like 
free fall off a cliff. <laughs> like I get. I want, like part of me wants to call it selfish and it's so bad and I don't mean it, but I think it for real. Well, see, one of the things I want to do is I want to go work for Vice TV. Mm-hmm. Like I, you've seen Vice, mm-hmm. the Vice Guides, but I have a kid. Mm-hmm. Is it appropriate for me to go to war-torn countries and be a journalist? See, like, yes and no. Es- I don't, Especially being a Jewish, red-haired, blue-eyed kid, the chances of me getting killed out in certain parts of the world are very high. Mm-hmm. That's the thing is it's like completely for me, yes and no. Mm-hmm. Like even a motorcycle. My dad had a motorcycle for probably three months when I was in like fourth grade. And he had a tiny accident where someone was backing out of their driveway and wasn't watching. And he didn't get really hurt, but he messed up his knee for a long time. Mm-hmm. And immediately after that, he sold it and was like, not worth the risk. Provide for my family. Like why add that on, you know? And so for me, I'm like, I don't, even something as small as that, like if you could be more protected, <laughs> why I not? crashed on a motor scooter when I was like six. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't know all of it. Cause even in myself, I want to do some like crazy things, mm-hmm. but I'm also like, I could never just die. And then what? My siblings, my mom, like I can't do risky things cause I care too much. Do you ski? Um, No. I've snowboarded and I like to, Uh but I haven't in a long time just because of school. Will you go rappelling off? Like if you're all, you know, suited up, would you rappel down a wall or anything like that? Um, I did once and I didn't love it. It was for like this graduation thing down in St. George. If you graduate with a certain honors, there's usually like five to 10 people. They let you rappel off of that Dixie rock up on the sugar loaf and paint the Dixie thing. But I did that. It wasn't that high up, but I still, it was, you know, but no. Are you afraid of heights? Yes. So there's this uh, guy, he's dead now, but his name is. I like him, but I hate him. His his name is Emmanuel Velikovsky. And he was a psychologist in Europe. He was best friends with Freud, Jung, Einstein, to put his pedigree in, like Mm -hmm. perspective. And he says people that are afraid of heights and have phobias like that, they experience it because... In a past life, they died from that, and so they they have a DNA a genetic gene to being afraid of heights because their their DNA is scarred from injury, whether it's in their past life or someone in their family genome. Yeah, I've always hated heights, genuinely. The weird thing is, I am not like an unhappy person. It's not like I've always wanted to die my whole life, but since I can remember. I hated heights because I would stand there and not know if I was about to jump just like to, to do it. Like how it's all, it's like so tempting. Like you're up super high. Do you ever, do you feel like that? Like you get on the edge of like an overlook and you like are scared. You'll just jump for no reason. And then you'll be screwed. Yeah. I Cause can. I've heard, I know people think it for me, my whole entire life, even since I was a six year old, I did not like heights because I didn't trust myself not to like, want to like jump off of them Hmm. i mean they make me scared it's not like i'm like fearless and that's why i'm afraid i just like have this weird thing (laughs) i like it (laughs) it's weird so we got to go to break the break when we get back maybe i'll give you some reports from up on the hill and see what those uh crazy (laughs) legislators are up to crazy guys (laughs) there's some uh groundbreaking stuff going on up there so We'll be right back after some promos. This is Glenn Mills, Weekend Anchor at ABC for Utah and former Ute. You're listening to KUTE Radio. From the Purple Mountains and the Valley of Smoke, this is All Ute Radio. This is Rebecca from Ol Ute Radio. Tune in to hear the show live every Tuesday night from 6 to 9 p.m. Or catch the show on demand at KUTeRadio.org. Yeah, Breaker 1-9, this here's a rubber duck. You got a copy on me, Big Ben? Come on. Boy, yeah, 10-4, Big Ben, for sure, for sure. By golly, it's clean, clear to Flagtown. Come on. Yeah, it's a big 10-4 there, Big Ben. Yeah, we definitely got the front door, good buddy. Mercy sakes alive, looks like we got us a convoy. Uh, 
I got a duck on this line, sir. Rubber duck here. I like it. In good form, this is OU Radio with KU Internet Radio. Uh, with me, I have Dakota. I have the beautiful Rebecca in studio. And we are just uh, running through a minefield called Trying to Broadcast. Oh, it's great to be back in the fray. Oh, I guess we don't have Becca. She left. <laughs> so, how are you, good sir? What have you been up to? Oh, you know, uh, living the dream down here in New Mexico. Things are good. Things are good. I'm playing single parent for a week. Um, got both of my boys. So, uh, that's always good fun. I like it. Do you have any special things for Valentine's you're going to be doing? No, no. Me being... Um, functionally single right now um it's probably going to be spent um with a bottle of booze laying on the floor naked <laughs> crying myself to sleep while singing adele songs <laughs> well at least you're in good form gentle sir <laughs> i like this i like the direction and i like the tone for all of you <laughs> listening on the podcast we have lost the second hour of our broadcast was all my fault. I don't know how to push buttons correctly. And uh, so we move forward. <laughs> so with that being said, where are we going this uh, this next hour or so, sir? Well, you know, it being Olympic season and the American flag being displayed everywhere, um, I thought it might be prudent for us here on Old Ute Radio to look at how we view the use of our flag in this country and how we uh, how we display it. It's been something controversial in the past with burning of flags and protest and with other issues of uh, people's attempts at patriotism. So I wanted to take a look at patriotism and the American flag and and kind of get a handle on um, on how we use that in this country. I think that sounds great. So, document uh, put out by the uh, Congressional Research Service in uh, April of 2008, just outlining the uh, myriad of rules and regulations that are associated with the uh, American flag. And interestingly enough, the first mention in CRS 6, Section 8A is that the Union will never be displayed down except as a single of dire distress in instances of extreme danger to life and property. So effectively stating that the American flag should be flown upside down at times of extreme uh, danger. I think to that life comes from war, correct? Uh, when well, it, battle battalions are conflict often they'll turn their flag sideways so they can get help from the air right yes and it was also used on ships naval ships uh, American naval ships they would fly the American flag upside down when they had lost communications to signal to other uh, vessels in the area that they were in need of immediate assistance yes but I uh, it has also been uh, appropriated to symbolize, especially in punk rock and, and many uh, underground movements, the um, dissatisfaction and distaste for uh, current political systems or, or the lack of uh, freedom and liberties that have been uh, visited upon many American citizens through governmental action over the last number of decades. I, yeah, I, I'm, not, I'm not hearing a problem with this. Now, people in our generation and the younger generation, I guess any generation, use it as a political statement. Uh, you know, they turn their flags sideways in their house whenever they disagree with whatever government, you know, when the Republicans are in, lefties will put their flags sideways. When the liberals are in, the Republicans will turn their flags sideways. It's kind of like uh, the don't tread on me flag that's coming back, right? Well, it, it turns out that as far as the um, flag code is concerned, um, hanging the flag sideways is considered um, respectful as long as it is 
not hung lower than any other flags and is displayed with the union on the right. That's very, very specific so that the, um, the viewer sees it to the right. So like if you're to wear a lapel pin, it would always be worn on your left over your heart. So it's viewed to be on the right hand side which was very interesting since the flag code states that the only people allowed to wear the, um, the flag as a patch, as, as an actual symbol, are military uniformed firemen, policemen, or members of, quote, patriotic organizations. So um, there's, a, there's a very limited way that you should be allowed to display the flag other than the flag itself and that is only sanctioned in patches that are worn in official uniforms. So anytime you see someone with a American flag on their shirt or a sticker on their car or on the side of a building, um, these are direct uh, disrespectful actions taken by that quote-unquote patriotic citizen to display the flag in a disrespectful manner. So all of you... Um, all of you hardcore patriots out there wearing your Garth Brooks t-shirt with a flag in the background um, are essentially um, flipping your thumb to uh, a long tradition of respect and history of, um, of this symbol of at least our proposed democracy in this country. They give us a lot of freedoms with the flag. We're able to burn it. We're able to use it in protest. I personally... That's the, it's a very symbolic sign in our country and in our world. I don't have problems with nationalism flags, per se, and I don't have a problem with our flag. I think a lot of people have given their life for it. Do I have problems with that? A little bit, but, you know, I don't understand the mind of a soldier. I've never been a soldier, so it's hard for me to come up with idea um, why they're so passionately defending it, you know. I, I, it, but it makes sense to me, like on a mammalian level. I don't know. If yeah, I, yeah. You know, I, th I think that's one of the one of the main reasons why I thought this would be an important thing for people to just get educated on, because you know there is a lot of pride and respect for nationalism and for the flag as the flag itself. And you know, in order to show respect to those soldiers and those who have lost their lives the adoption of the flag code was, you know, part of part of why they wanted that to, to be in place so that people didn't take this symbol that people have fought and died for and, you know, use it for advertising purposes or, or you know, there's a specific article in section 8, number D, which says it will never be a wearing apparel. So every single one of our Americans' Olympic uniforms go directly in the face of the flag code that we laid down for respect of this particular symbol and how it's treated. So it's very interesting that we as a country who hang our hats on our tradition and our respect and our, 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 our desire to, to show reverence for this particular symbol have taken it to the world stage and essentially blasphemed our entire, uh, our entire code. So it's, a, it's an interesting thing to look at as you see the um, United States um, celebrating its victories and ignoring its principles. <laughs> you know, I've never thought about it like that, but in a sense, I can see outrage with that. It almost makes me angry as someone that's wanting to be a good citizen, being a good American. It is weird watching them act that way when they celebrate with our flag or dress up in our flag colors that's another weird one also yeah I mean there's a the, the Olympic jackets that are being sold to um, just common folks are essentially a coat with the American flag plastered across it one sleeve is the stars the other sleeve is the stripes and down the middle you have part of the Union Jack and then the rest of the the stripes going down and um, you know there's there's very specific articles, we'll move down to um, section 7, uh, number J, no part of the flag should ever be used in a costume or athletic uniform. So specific language was even put into this code to deal with athletic uniforms. 
it's and this is a this is a very interesting concept to me that um, how we show our patriotism and and how we relate to um, those symbols uh, in that same second is actually one of my very favorite quotes from this flag code. It says, "The flag represents a living country and itself should be considered a living thing." So. <laughs> In this flag code, on top of all the rest of the nonsense, is a little subparagraph that advises people to look at this inanimate object as an actual living thing. That to me is very problematic because it removes it removes your humanity from personhood and puts it into the, the realm of symbols. If, if a flag can be a living thing, how do we how do we separate our own concepts of self through our concepts of nationalism or our concepts of patriotism. Well, it's kind of what uh, Plato and Socrates discussed in the allegory of the cave, right? They're going to put picture in front of you and teach you its meaning. And it only it, and it takes the, the philosopher or the philosopher king to break his chains, get outside of that, and then, you know, to understand their symbols. I, I think that flags, from a certain perspective, are very divisive. They separate human beings into different categories. You know, in one place you're an Italian, in another place you're a Moroccan, in another place you're a Canadian or American. It has, you know, we have imaginary boundary lines, but they become real because of a flag, because of territories. You know, and these territories have all been claimed through bloodshed and violence. So on the one hand, our flag uh, screams with uh, liberty and rings with freedom. But on the other side, it's drenched with blood, you know. Flags are a weird topic. Yeah, well, I mean, and, and you know, patriotism in general, I mean, patriotism in this country has been a huge battle cry over at least the last decade. You know, looking into the the meanings of that word, you know, one one thing that I stumbled across was some views of patriotism um, state that patriotism may be strengthened by adherence to a national religion. So, looking at patriotism as an actual religion of the nation, and uh, many um, skeptics have said that, well, this is this is the opposite of separation of church and state. So. On the one hand, you have patriotism and its strength through the religion of worship and admiration for that symbol. And on the other hand, you have essentially a dogma being created inside of a democracy that goes against the concepts of democracy itself. So, you know, there's some, there's some interesting underlying principles to the way that we identify as patriots in this country by using the flag as an identifier for other people to know you're in the same crew. You know, if somebody's waving the flag and you're waving the flag, you're like, oh, you're a fellow patriot. Well, all you've done is become essentially a religious zealot for a, um, for, for a religious organization that doesn't have a doctrine and doesn't really have a, a, a creed. So let me read you a couple of quotes here from some very significant lawmakers and legislators, quote-unquote famous men. Ben Johnson, patriotism is the last refuge of a scoundrel. Thoreau, patriotism is a maggot in their heads. George Bernard Shaw, you'll never have a quiet world till you knock the patriotism out of the human race. Oscar Wilde, patriotism is the virtue of the vicious. So there's a lot of these men that come out and basically say, hey, patriotism's stupid. It's divisive. It's rude. But in America, especially in our advertising, it is a linchpin because it identifies people. It takes the fringe and puts them into a, a into an easel into you know allowing people to identify themselves with something. Because one of the tough things in this world is trying to find an image, trying to find a group of friends that have the same ideas and paradigms and goals as you. And patriotism is a great backbone to create that. 
as it ties into our, our sporting communities, as it ties into the many celebrations, you know, the uh, Pledge of Allegiance, these these things which are mandatory at events, you know, to, to remove your hat, to, to look up stoically and, you know, imagine these, you know, these soldiers and, and, and all the sacrifices and and then you have events like the, you know, the National Football League's um, celebration where they take gigantic flag and have people hold it and flat along the ground. And right there in Section C, it says to never carry the flag flat or horizontal. And yet we, you know, yet we still use these symbols. Um, and speaking to the speaking to the viral nature. Of patriotism, um, as I was looking at this concept of a living thing, one of the few things not considered a living thing is a virus. And the definition is because outside of the host, it's inactive and seems inanimate. And inside of the host, it's active, alive, and capable of utilizing the host cell structures to replicate. So we may look at patriotism um, essentially in the sense of a virus because. If it's not being utilized, if it's not inside of you, if you don't feel patriotic, well, then that is it's an inactive and inanimate idea. But once it becomes part of your identity, well, then it becomes capable of utilizing you as a host and replicating through your propaganda that you paste on your window sticker with a flag. And, you know, that's a... I think it's a very fine line that, that 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 our our ability to make up our own minds about what we are doing is suspect. On the same hand, though, there's a certain amount of anti-governmental patriots out there right now who are seeking to bring our nation back to a better state, back to back glory. Does Glenn Beck fill that role? I'm not real familiar with with him, Kurt. I don't think I can speak on him um, okay. in any sort of educated way. But I think there's many, I mean, many examples of it, uh, and many examples of separatist organizations in this country right now who who are, you know, patriots in the classic sense of the term, as far as love for country, as far as as far as desire for um, desire for the homeland to be fruitful. And don't adhere to the current governmental practices and identities with um, our patriotism as far as it's being posited in other countries and put around the world. Why do you think that our leaders have this interest in keeping patriotism alive? Is it because we've been in war for so long? I think it goes back to the, the earlier statement that um, you know patriotism is strengthened through adherence to national religion. That you know. That religion has been one of the largest motivators for large numbers of people and demonstrated successfully for the last many thousand years. So I think that patriotism on some level in this country is a form of collecting people into a common vision or a common identity and not allowing them to make their own educated decisions, not allowing them to have their own individual opinions. But if you dissent, against the patriots, well, then you're anti-patriotic and therefore are a threat to patriotism. And in this country right now, a threat to patriotism is known as terrorism. And so there's a very fine line in this country right now for those who are quote-unquote anti-patriotic because of the way that this country and this government is functioning and those who are legitimately on the other extreme of, of violence and, and, and actual terrorism. So, you know, the, the, a lot of people are getting lumped into the same circle through dissension of the uh, patriotic mindset. That makes sense. One of the things that I don't understand is why we have to do it. Because I've been to baseball games where I haven't stood up before and put my hand over my heart. And I've had people yell at me, hey, you need to stand up. And it's like... <clears throat> Do I? Do I really need to stand up? Is that going to make me morally a better person to stand up and put my hand over my heart? And it almost becomes a thing where you have to do it, otherwise you become the villain. 
And I don't like that mindset because we are all here trying to get the water to move down south. We're all here trying to get the trash in one place. We're all here to try to do something specifically to help our neighbors live the best possible life. Yeah, and you know, and in uh, back in 1989, if you recall, there was a lot of protests happening in the Middle East and burning of the American flag. Congress passed the Flag Protection Act, um, which set forth uh, penalties and up to a year in jail for desecration of the flag. And less than a year later, um, in 1990, the Supreme Court uh, struck it down and said that the Flag Protection Act was unconstitutional especially in relation to burning the flag in protest. As well as in the flag code, they specifically state there are no penalties or punishments of any specific kind of the flag code, but only a declaration and advisory. So the freedom in this country that we proclaim should still be visited to those who don't choose to take into advisement the flag code. It's not a mandatory we'll see action. It's not a punishable offense. And it should not be an opportunity for anyone to look down on a fellow American because of their personal vision about conduct in relation to this symbol, which has nothing to do with the country. I mean, it's just a banner. It's not, it's not an identity. It's not, it's not our constitution. Not that that's worth much more than the flag, but just to use an example, like, you know, th- these, are not, these are not items that you that you're not allowed to dissent out. But that's one of the problems we have is we have, you know, whether it's the federal government or the state, uh, they have their rules and their laws. But then you get your neighbors who identify with them but aren't educated on their laws but will beat your ass if you're out of agreement with their idea of that law. Because I personally don't believe that America's laws and rules and regulations are necessarily built to hurt the human being. I think a lot of that is lies. What I do think is designed to hurt people is people who don't understand the laws that they believe in. And those are the people that are most dangerous to the human being. I I completely agree. And that was exactly why I thought this might be a a prudent opportunity to help educate whatever listeners we have out there on just, you know, knowing what the regulations and and observations and um, suggestions about how to show respect for the flag are so that, you know, as someone challenges you with 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 their vision that you've got some something to back up. Um, an actual statement put forward by our government about how what normal conduct is, or what's acceptable conduct in relation to to the American flag, rather than the sensationalism that we get fed of you know like buy a plastic flag when you're at a you know one of the mo- well let's go back to one more that I think is very interesting. Not only is the flag never to be used for advertising pers- purposes in any any way manner whatsoever or printed on paper napkins, or boxes, or anything designed for temporary use and discarded. So if you next time you have a 4th of July ceremony and your paper plates and napkins are the American flag with fireworks busting out in the background, you're essentially disrespecting the entire celebration to participating. You're telling me that my American canned Budweiser is a violation of our of our flag? Absolutely. 100% a spit in the face of our governmental system and its rules and regulations. I don't like that. That bothers me tremendously. It's always bothered me. I like I remember me and my buddies when we go to the store like over 4th of July or whatever or cuz my birthday's right around that time. We would purposely not buy Budweiser that week because we thought they were stupid cans. But I guess deep down in our subconscious, we're like, hey, because it is a symbol and we identify with that symbol, even though we're not expressing it verbally, it doesn't make sense in our inner constitution to use that word specifically. Well, and if you do, as a you know American citizen, have respect for this country and recognize that the flag is meaningful, it's divisive for Budweiser to use the flag on the can because here's a here's a celebration of the country on 4th of July 
which is designed to focus around our nation and its history, and you're, you're stealing that history and using it for your own financial gain. That, to me, is unacceptable. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't think that they should be punished for it, but they should certainly be, be called out on their, um, on their disrespect. So do you think it's even conscious in our federal government that these are all violations of our law? Well, I mean, I think if our current government over the last 15 or 20 years has any indication that it really cares about the laws that it has made in the past, no, no. It's certainly a conscious negligence of rules and regulations. I mean, you know, for all from our Wall Street bailouts to our to our Fannie Mae bailouts to taxpayers burdened with the the faults of major investors. I mean, it's a it's a system of failure to the common man. I mean, our our government hasn't done anything for any of its people. I mean, I think that I, I just read the other day that Congress passed its first actual law in the last 20 years. Like, we have been in a deadlocked governmental position for 20 years. We can't get anything done. And yet these people still collect their stipends, and they still set up business deals behind the scenes, and they they leave office with huge governmental contracts in it, signed and ready to be delivered. And None of that stuff trickles down. The trickle-down economics is one of the biggest lies we've ever been told. This country often puts itself in potentially becoming a second-world country, but we work really hard also. And even though a lot of people that don't make much money, it's hard to destroy an entire world or a country when their work ethic is so strong. You know, we don't get oh, yeah. we I don't mean, get siestas. We don't get time off for labor, for pregnancies, for gr to grieve. We, you know, unless you're unemployed, you're not getting time off in this country. Yeah, I mean, you know, unemployment right now in this country is pretty much the only vacation any working person can afford. Not a work ethic problem. And then even with that, it's not a vacation because you have the intellectual framework of you not being good enough. There's very few people that can pull off being unemployed and be perfectly happy about it. Well, yeah, I mean, no, most people want to work, you know, and anybody I know that's poor, it, they're not poor because they don't work hard, you know, that that's one of the biggest misnomers being presented, like, you know, this is a land of opportunity, if you work hard, you're going to get somewhere, well, you know, I've been, I've been working, you know, f three to five days a week, to six to seven days a week for the last 20 years. And I'm still $26,000 in debt for my student loans. You know, I've been able to feed my family and make the rent. And, you know, I buy an old car. But, you know, I, I, I don't feel that the work ethic, that the stick to of American citizens is what's lacking. It's, it's that, they're, you know, nothing's trickling down. Do you think that's the work ethic of America? Do you think that that's one of the reasons why people love our flag so much, even if they've been segregated by it, by minority groups have been completely victimized by the American penal system and laws, but they still identify with the flag? Do you think that has to do with the America's work ethic as a whole? Well, and I think also the whole concept of the land of opportunity, you know, I mean, there is lots of money here. So people see that there's lots of money here. And regardless of the horrible track record we have as humanitarians, like people talk about protesting the Olympics in Sochi because of human rights violations by, by Russia. You know, if you stacked up Russia's human rights violations against the United States, we are winning by a landslide. <laughs> and nobody boycotted our Olympics because we're the harbingers of freedom and opportunity unless you get in our way economically, and then we'll crush your country. We'll unseat your president. We'll throw you into political instability until we find an appropriate replacement that won't interrupt the uh, flow of capital and resources out of your country into the United States. Yes. <laughs> How can we 
still embrace our country without having the viciousness of patriotism, of blindly supporting our military or political leaders because we have to, because we're Americans. Where, where can we get that mind thought away from us and, and distance ourselves from that gang mentality? Well, I think, you know, as with any situation like a gang mentality, I mean, your best weapon is, is knowledge. Your best weapon is education, and not education in the traditional sense of, like, I'm going to go to college, but there's so many resources available that if you ask questions and you look for answers, you'll find yourself much more informed about what the situations are. And I think we as Americans, as citizens of this country, have a responsibility to maintain our knowledge of the actions of our government as well as maintain our stance as humanitarians. You know, I think that there are many people in this country who do not wish harm on others, who do not wish oppression on others, and who do not wish financial gain on the on the backs of slavery. And we have a responsibility as individuals to promote that idea amongst the people that we're in contact with. It starts in small communities. It starts with conversations over coffee. It starts with discussing your dissension and your knowledge of opportunities to fix those in public places, in public events. You know, we need to be more outspoken as citizens of this country to our ideas and our dreams and our identities in the future. And I think every individual is capable of that once we pull our heads out of the patriotic haze that has been um, force-fed to us for the last 20 years. 50 years, 100 years. Well, I hope it starts happening, and I know it is. You can see it. We're doing it right here live on OU Radio. Yes, for KU Internet Radio, and we are truly appreciative to all the students and faculty that allow this broadcast to happen. And uh, we do it because we want to be good neighbors and good citizens, and we want to learn. So get a hold of us through Twitter. Uh, Get a hold of us on our various... Facebooking things. You can find us. I'm Sasha Bloom at Mr. Underscore Bloom. You are, where are you, sir? Where can we find your beautiful uh, wolf? You can get face? me on Twitter at, uh, at Dak Force. Yes. Um, you can, uh, I'll soon be participating in your Facebook account as soon as we get this administrative stuff figured out. Yes, this week um, it happens. And, and, you can, and you can tune in every week to hear us live or catch us on our podcasts that we will broadcast later in the week on iTunes Radio as well as the podcast apps or directly on KU.org. Come K- find K-U us. Radio.org. We'd love to have you weigh into the conversation. Yes. Thank you, everybody. We appreciate you. We'll catch you down the road. All right. This is Rubber Duck signing off. I feel a hot wind. I feel a hot wind on my shoulder And the touch of the world that is older I turn the switch and check the number I leave it on when in bed I slumber I hear the rhythms of the music About the product that never uses I hear the talking of the DJ Can't understand just what does he say I'm on a Mexican radio I'm on a Mexican of my environment. I want my environment to be a product of me. This is Rebecca from All Ute Radio. Tune in to hear the show live every Tuesday night from 6 to 9 p.m. Or catch the show on demand at KUradio.org.